I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn me to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to have fun. We're starting a new series today. and We're going to talk about taming the tongue. We're going to talk about the tongue for a few weeks here. And so, you know, we're going to have fun talking about the tongue because everybody's got one. And everybody's tongue needs taming. I can't get an amen out of that. What would make y'all amen? All right, that's good. That's much better right there. Before we start, we love to have our hands in mission enterprises here. This church's heart is in missions around the world. We got stuff all over the world. We got folks we support in Kathmandu and Timbuktu, literally, and everywhere in between. And we love being a part of it, but we do stuff in our county here and in our city. And you don't have to go to Kenya to help people. You can go right downtown and help people. I want to show you a quick clip of one of the great missions we're involved with right here in our city. And you can go help with it. If you want to make a mission trip, you can go this afternoon. Well, not this afternoon, but you can go this week and help. Fellas, let them see my clip there. Charlotte Evans and I am the executive director for Freedom's Hope uh, Compassion Ministries. And Freedom's Hope is a nonprofit, 501c nonprofit organization that is designed to walk very closely on the path with individuals who are marginalized by society. Um, those who are homeless or those that are in poverty, to walk with them on a path to uh, what we look at as a restoration and a path for them to begin to uh, understand and to embrace the person that God has created them to be. As any organization, you know, we always can have volunteers and we uh, can utilize volunteers in a number of roles. And uh, nursing volunteers, obviously, uh, to run our clinics. We, we could use, certainly use some social workers or social work interns uh, as we do a considerable amount of case management. And always can utilize chaplains or uh, ministers that can, that can come and uh, work with individuals one-on-one, -on -one, uh, providing spiritual care, uh, as well as assisting with our Bible studies. What is God laying on your heart? Um, and, and that too is a beautiful thing for, that, that I love seeing is to be able, not just those who are in poverty, but for anyone, let's, if it's through this ministry and you can become more of who God created you to be, then that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm. Great organization right here in our city called Freedom's Hope, and they can use anybody. Listen, we got a lot of people live in our city that just need somebody to take them by the hand and love them. Medical, financial, job training, but mostly just get involved with them and love them and help them get out of the pit. You know, when you're in a pit, you don't need to figure out how you got in there unless you need to stay out of it. You need to figure out how to get out of it. And if you want to do missions, you can contact our mission pastor, contact our missions department. They'll hook you up with Freedom's Hope. And if you need somebody to love, they'll find you somebody to love. And we love being a part of stuff outside of our church here. All righty. We're going to talk about taming the tongue today. We're going to start with the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. Maybe you know the tongue's got power. You saying that from personal experience or you just think I wanted to hear it? All right, I want you to read a verse, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible with me and look at what it says. Proverbs 18, 21. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What's in your tongue? Two things, death and life. Is there power in the tongue? What does it say right there? It says there's power in your tongue. What does it mean those who love it will eat the fruit of it? You're going to eat what you say. What you say, you're going to eat. Your words create things, fruit, and you're going to eat what you say. Now, in our culture today, we don't put much stock in words. We just jibber-jabber and we don't think much about it. Let's change. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Let me show you what's happening in your life because of the words you speak. We're going to look at three things today. The power of God's words when he speaks his tongue, the power of my tongue, and the two powers in my tongue. Number one, the power of God's word. You believe that God's got power when he speaks? Did anybody notice that shiny thing when you came in today? In the sky. That big bright thing that lit the day up called the sun. Guess how it got there? 
He spoke and it existed. Now you think about that. He just spoke and it was there. That's power, isn't it? <clears throat> Everything he creates, he creates by speaking. That's the way he makes them. He said, let us make man and he spoke and we existed. So he's got power. His words have tremendous power. <clears throat> you believe God speaks to people today? What do you think he says? I love to talk to people and ask them. I just love to chat with folks about God. And just, I, don't pray, I just love to listen. I like to ask folks, do you believe there's a God? 85% of our nation says yes. And I, I like to ask him, well, what do you think he's like? Because if there's got to be a God, he's got to be like something. And one of the things I love to ask people is, if he were to say something to you, what do you think he'd say? I'm shocked at what people tell me. The large majority of people I ask that, it's negative. They think he'd talk ugly to them. They think he'd get on them. It's well, Brother Brian, none of us are holy. Do you think you need to tell me that? When God speaks, let me show you what he'll say to you. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This is a premier, uh, you got to get this. God speaks to people and I want to show you what he says. This is the first time, <clears throat> you're familiar with this. This is the first time God spoke to humanity when he stepped down to earth. What's the first thing he said when he stepped down to earth? Gotcha. I saw you smoking. If God Almighty were to step down to earth, what would he say? I want you to look at the first thing God ever said right after he came to earth. Luke chapter 2, you're familiar with this, verse 8. They were in the same country, shepherds. Jesus had just been born a few minutes ago. Shepherds living in the field, keeping watch over their flock <clears throat> by night. An angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord was before them. They were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. What's the first thing God always says to people? You don't need to be afraid. Over and over when Jesus walked on this earth, he walked up to people. What's the first thing he said to them? Fear not. Now listen, the Bible teaches that he doesn't just jibber jabber. His words have power. In the Bible, every time he said to somebody, do not be afraid, fear just disappeared. It, when he speaks to your heart and says, fear not, it just leaves. That's the power of his words. And the first thing God ever said to humanity, you know who he's talking to here? These are not preachers. These are cowboys. Well, a, a shepherd is a cowboy that's got the wrong animal. Same thing. These are, these are not, they're not even, quote, Christians. These are just redneck shepherds, cowboys, outdoorsmen. And God walks up to them and says, you don't need to be afraid. All right, here's the greatest message you'll ever hear is the entire message of God in just a few words. And he said to them, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. You know, that is the message of God right there. When he speaks, it's good news. And what effect does it have on people if they hear God? If you hear his good news, you're going to have great joy because his words are, if you ever hear the voice of God in your heart, tell me the effect it'll have on your heart. Great joy. Good. I don't know anybody who says, I'm just so happy. I hate being happy. I'm too happy. I don't know anybody who couldn't use some joy today. When God speaks, he brings joy to human hearts. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. This is not just a verse in the Bible. This is the portrait of how God speaks. Do you understand there's power in his words? His words affect the human heart. All right, how many of you believe that God walked down the earth one day? How many of you believe that the word became a man and walked among us? And we beheld his glory, the only of the Father. How many believe that Jesus was God on the earth? Right, he walked on the earth. Did he speak to people? What was the effect of his words? All right, let me quote John 6, 63 to you. Jesus said this, human speaking profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and life. When I speak, it's life. Let me give you an example. One day he stood in front of a grave and he said these words, Lazarus, come on down. Well, actually, Lazarus, come forth. What happened when he said that? Does he have power in his words? One day he spoke to a woman who'd been beat up by religion because she was immoral. He said, I do not condemn you. Start your life over. What did that do to her? The power of his words to pick people back up. One day he's in a storm and people are scared to death. He stood up and he said, peace. What happened? 
everything settled down. He has tremendous power in his words. When he speaks to people's hearts, he speaks life to them. That's why the Bible said his words are life. And um, he speaks freedom to people. He, he just, I've seen people, married couples, so angry with each other. They were about to burn the place down. Counseling didn't do any good. So I'd have called on somebody bigger than me. And I said, this ain't, we're not, our talking's not doing any good. Can we pray? So bow your head and let's pray. And I'll pray. My words don't. And I'll sense the presence of God come in that room. And I'll look up and I'll see a man with tears in his eyes. Look at his wife and say, I am so sorry. Guess what happened? Guess who just spoke? There's power in his words. Uh, just his voice is powerful. His words are life and hope. All right, question. Why, how many believe we should listen to the words of God? I knew he was going to say yes. I mean, what you going to say? No. No, I don't think we should. I knew he was going to say yes. Right, here's the question. Why? You say, because it's the right thing to do. Wrong answer. Let me tell you why we should listen to the words of God. I'm going to quote this to you. This is Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, pay careful attention to my words. Bend your ear toward my words. Keep your eyes on my words. Let my words be in your heart because they are life to those who find them and healing to every part of their lives. Why should I pay careful attention to God's word and what he's saying? Not because it's the right thing to do, because it brings healing to me, my marriage, my relationships, my health. It brings life. You know, listen, life in the Bible don't mean your blood's flowing. Life in the Bible means hope, encouragement, faith, peace, and love. That's life. Death in the Bible don't mean you're not breathing. Death in the Bible means despair, discouragement, hopelessness, fear, and anxiety. His words are life to those who find them. That's why I want to listen to his words. His words are powerful. That's the power of God's tongue. All right, what about the power of my tongue? Now, let me make an announcement. I don't have quite the power he does. If I say, let there be light, somebody's got to turn on a switch. Ain't no sun going to appear because I speak. But listen to me. Let us make man in our image. And in the image of God, he created them. I am in God's image in that my words do have power. You saw it. Proverbs 18, where it said, it's, it, it, there's power in your tongue. There's power in your tongue. Well, my words have power. All right, I'm going I'm to say something here. And uh, what I'm fixing to say, a lot of people don't, they either don't know or they don't agree with, but you're going to see it clearly in God's word. And I want it to change the way you think about some things. Listen to what the Bible says about words. Your life is determined by the words you speak. What your life is today is because of what you said yesterday. And in our nation, we don't believe that. We believe that our education determines the quality of our life. Our finances determine the quality of our life. Jesus said a man's life does not consist in what he owns. We believe that opportunity or lack of opportunity limits my life. We've adopted a victim mentality in this nation. And Grant, listen, life is not fair. The quicker you get over it, the quicker you can live. God rules. But listen to me. What does the Bible teach? It's not my opportunities. It's not where I was born. It's not my education. My words are what drives my life. My life is what it is because of what I say. Let's look at that. I want you to turn with me to James chapter 3. That my life is what it is because of what I said yesterday. James chapter 3. This is a tremendous truth. And we learn this. James chapter 3. My words take my life where it's going. So let me just throw this in. If I want my life to be good tomorrow, I got to say it today. All right, James chapter three. I want you to watch what God's word teaches here. James three. Perhaps you've never seen this. Let's look at it. James three, verse two. James chapter three, verse two. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in his words, speech, don't just stumble in your speech. He is a mature man able to bridle the whole body. What does scripture mean by that? You control everything in your life. You control your speech. If you'll control your speech, you'll control everything in your life. All right, here's two, here's two practical examples to help us learn this. One's in verse three. Uh, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths 
and they obey us and we turn the whole body. You understand that? All right, I had a horse, loved him dearly. He died. I'll never have another one because that was we were best friends. He's buried in my side yard. Got a granite marker just like grandma. His name was Sundown. And he was a huge Tennessee walking horse, jet black. Weighed 1,500 pounds. I loved him dearly. We had a great time. He, uh, he, he had a mind of his own. He was a little difficult to ride. He was, well, he was belligerent. We got along great. And I loved him, but he was strong. He was what you call strong-willed, took an experienced rider. And like, I would want to go that way. He'd want to go that way. We said, did you make him go? Let, let me make an announcement. I don't care how tough a cowboy you are. 1,500 pounds going to whoop 200 pounds any day of the week. Guess how I made him go where I wanted him to go. Guess how I made that 1,500 pounds go where I wanted it to. I took a six-ounce bit and put it in his mouth. And I took that bit and I made him go wherever I wanted. Even when he didn't want to go, we went. Got it? What's the Bible saying? You take your tongue and your tongue will take you wherever you want to go. The Bible said it's your tongue that determines where you go. Just like a bit will take a horse where you want it to go, your tongue will take you where you want to go. All right, here's another example, verse four. Same picture of this. Look in verse four with me. Look at ships. Consider a great big ship. Although they are so large, driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder. What's these words? Wherever the pilot wants them to go or desires. All right, I like to fish around Moorhead City at the state port there. And uh, sometimes I fish right on the port wall and there'll be a 900 foot long tanker or cargo ship that needs to get where I'm at. I just tell them you got to wait till I'm done fishing. Because these huge ships, they're giant. I mean, they're three football fields long. Guess what determines whether that huge ship goes to England or South America? Who makes the decision? The captain. But how does the captain get that ship where he wants it to go? What does it say in that verse? It's called a rudder. A little piece of metal about that wide right there on the back of that 900 foot ship. That captain will take that rudder and he'll take that ship wherever he wants it to go. What does the Bible say? Where do you want to go in life? Your tongue will take you where you want to go. Let me ask you a question concerning verse four. Does anybody here have desires? You wouldn't be here if you didn't. Everybody's got desires. Everybody, I think most people would like a better life. I think people want a great marriage. I think people want peace in their hearts. I think people want true friendships. I think people want to be free from addictions and crap and garbage. I'm sorry, I should have said crap in church. I think people, people have desires. People want things. What does that verse tell me about my desires? I go wherever I desire. I take myself wherever I desire. What do I use to get there? What does it say? I use my tongue. See how powerful the tongue is. My life is what it is today because of what I've been saying. My life will be one year from today what it will be because of what I say tomorrow. Do you understand the power that's within the tongue? So let's quit believing the nonsense that it's because of who I was born to, where I was born, how educated I am, how smart I am, how dumb I am. My tongue takes me where I want to go. All right, so get hold of the rudder. And the Bible is very clear that my tongue determines where I want to go. All righty. Can I, I want to ask you a simple question to show you something. Would anybody here like to enjoy their lives? That's not hard, but anybody here like to enjoy their lives? How many of you would like to have a good day? How about good days? Amen. So, Brother Brian, I don't think it matters to God whether we enjoy. I think we need to be holy. You need to go join a fundamental church. You don't know what fundamental is? No fun, all damn, mostly mental. That's why they call them fundamental. <laughs> there was, if God didn't want you to enjoy your life and have good days, why did he write a book and tell you how to do it? Turn two pages to the right. 1 Peter chapter 3. If you want to enjoy your life, have good days. I want to love my life. I want to love being alive. I want to get up every day and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. This can be the greatest day of my life. I want to, I want to live like that. Amen. I want to have good days. Let me show you where I got that from. First Peter chapter three, verse 10 says this. He who would love life and see good days, just pause right there. Anybody want to sign up? 
You want a good life? How many of you want your children to be happy? Successful? You want to raise? Does anybody want to raise? All right. What's, let's read it again. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue. Why did the Bible tie your tongue to whether you have good days or not? Why did the Bible say you will love your life tongue? Now, we don't use the word refrain today. What's our word for it? Literally restraint or control. You want to have a good life and enjoy your life, see good days? Control your tongue. Let it take you. Well, I can't have a great life married to the fool I'm married to. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry you're married to a fool. I'm sorry that you believe a lie. I don't see anything about who you're married to in there. So I've got this dumb boss. I'm sorry about your dumb boss. I don't see anything about bosses in there. It's why I didn't get to go to school. Thank God I didn't like school. That's not the issue. What is the issue in the Bible? Do you want to have a great life? Use your tongue to take you there. Now I want to make an announcement. We didn't all have the same opportunities for education. We weren't all born in great families. We don't all have the same talents everybody's got. But tell me the one thing we all do have. What does it say? Take that tongue and get where you want to be with it. You can build a great life with your tongue. Very simply put, and we're not going to spend much time now, but later on we're going to look. I want to just throw out Mark eleven twenty three to you. Talk to that mountain. Tell it what to do and it'll do it. Believe in your heart. You will have what you speak. You'll have what you speak. All right, one more thing about this power of the tongue. Do you want to change your life? Do you want to change anything about your life? Change your words, it'll change your life. Change the way you talk, it'll change your life. All right, number three, last of all. There are two powers in my tongue. I can either make my life greater, I can destroy it with my tongue. Let me, let me quote it to you again, Proverbs 18. The power of life and death are in my tongue. All right, I get to make a decision. If I've got life and death in my tongue, I have to make a decision, don't I? I'm going to be one of two things on my tongue every day. And you can be one of two things with your tongue, and I'm going to show them to you in the Bible. You can be a verbal arsonist, or you can be a healer. You can burn people's lives up with your tongue, or you can heal people's lives with your tongue. Jesus healed with his tongue. Guess who burns people's lives up with their tongues? All right, we're going to be one of two things. I want you to look at something with me. A verbal, you ever heard of a verbal arsonist? The land is full of them right now. Turn with me, just turn two pages back to James chapter three. Let me show you a verbal arsonist in the Bible. You say, why do you say arsonist? Because that's what God calls it. You don't know what an arsonist is, don't you? Somebody burns things down. We have a little trouble in some major cities right now with some people burning buildings down. They're arsonists. Well, the Bible talks about verbal arsonists in James chapter three. Let's read it. James chapter three, verse five says this. Even so the tongue is a little member. It's one of the smallest parts of our bodies. It's a little member, boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles or destroys. Would you agree? Y'all remember Smokey the Bear? When I was a kid, that Smokey the Bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. What was Smokey's message? A little tiny match, a little spark can destroy thousands of acres. How many of you believe one little match can burn down thousands of acres? What does it say right there? See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And you know we're not talking about technical fire here. You know what he's talking about? See how much damage can be done with a little word. See how much damage can be done through a small tongue. Got the picture? All right, here's the arson. Verse 6. The Bible says this. The tongue is a what? What does the Bible call a tongue? The tongue is a fire, the Bible says. Guess what fires do? Do fires heal or destroy? Fires destroy. The tongue is a fire <clears throat> of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Did you get that? What is it that tears everything up? The tongue is what's set among our members that destroys the whole body. It is the tongue that does the damage. All right, the Bible says it's the tongue that destroys the whole body. And th this is an amazing revelation right here. Sets on fire the course of nature. That's hard language for you and I. Literally, it burns people's futures up. It burns children's futures up. And then look at these words. It is set on fire 
by hell. Now, you may not understand everything said right there, but that ain't good, is it? You can tell that's pretty dark right there when you're looking at the power of the tongue. Very simply put, the Bible says that it's the tongue that burns things up. It's the tongue that burns houses down. I've never seen a marriage break up that didn't have as the root cause words that were spoken. How do we destroy our marriages? We stand at an altar with somebody. We love them. We promise to love them. We got great hope for the future. Down the road, there's pain and heartache and brokenness and that marriage dissolves. What did it? Words. Words that were spoken. The Bible is very clear that it is the tongue that destroys friendships. How many of you had a friendship at one time that was destroyed by words that shouldn't have been spoken? You ever known of a nation that's being destroyed by things that are being spoken? How many kids have been destroyed by daddy's words? Listen, the Bible didn't give the mother responsibility of saving a child's life with words. Who to give? Galatians chapter 6. Fathers, do not be so hard on your children with your words that you break their spirits. How many young men and young girls have had their lives destroyed by daddy's words? I'll give you an example. Katie and I watched the movie Friday night. You need to watch it with your kids to talk to them about it. It's called uh, Full Count. It's around baseball. Full Count. Counting one, two, three. Full Count. Guy's a pitcher in baseball. and a co- He's a college pitcher. He's in college and he pitches for his college baseball team. He's very good. And all of a sudden, a young freshman shows up that's a little better than he is. And this freshman beats him out for his starting job. And the coach comes up to him one day and he tells him, <clears throat> He's, he's going to be starting tomorrow instead of you. He gets mad. He goes in the locker room by himself and he's upset. And he takes his phone out of his locker and he calls his dad. And he says, I've been benched. I'm not the starter anymore. And you care what his father's saying, but you can see in his eyes that it's not good. He listens. Finally, after a while, he says, it's never good enough for you, is it? I can never do enough for you, can I? You're never happy, are you? And he throws the phone in the locker goes in the shower and commits suicide that father killed his son with his words what does it say how great a fire a little match kindles and it's the one that destroys i've known i meet capable people that are able they could do it but they don't think they can guess why you let me trace it back somebody's words a teacher a coach a mom or a dad spoke words that knocked the legs out from underneath those people. What is it that burns people's futures up? What burns the house down? Words. That's why, do you understand why the Bible said the power of death is in my tongue? Now I got this when I was a young man. I understood understood God's word on this when I was a young man. And I knew that the number one determinant of a child's future is not their education. It's not how pretty they are. It's father's words. And that's why I was always very careful. Now, my kids are just average kids, but they've been blessed. They all graduated that kuma laude stuff from college. I graduated with the help of the good laude. That's how I got out. <laughs> my kids have done well, but their mother and I understood if you want your kids to do well, you've got to speak it into them. Yeah. And you've got to speak over them. And I'm not talking about telling them they're the center of the universe. Jesus is the center of the universe. I'm talking about telling them you can do this. When you need correcting, we'll correct you, but we're going to cheer for you and we're going to love you and we're going to tell you there's nothing you can't do. And you're blessed by God and you're going to be blessed by us. And, and the Bible teaches that it is the power of words that can destroy or give life. All right. <clears throat> I want you to notice something with me in that passage. I'm going to teach you one of the most amazing truths in Scripture. Last part of verse 6 says that the tongue, listen to these words, is set on fire by hell. What in the world can that mean that the tongue is set on fire by hell? You know what hell is, don't you? That's the work of Satan in the earth. I'm going to put it in language you can understand. If Satan, who is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, if he wants to destroy a child's future, how does he do it? He gets in his father's tongue. He sets that father's tongue on fire from hell, and it destroys that child. Maybe, again, maybe a teacher's words. Satan uses people's words to destroy people's futures. One of the great revelations in the Bible is in Revelation, which is where we get a revelation. Listen to this, chapter 12, verse 15. Guess how Satan destroys nations? 
And Satan poured water out of his mouth like a flood to destroy the land. What's happening in our nation today? What's divided this nation? What's caused people to absolutely despise each other in this nation? Words. Guess who's behind the words that destroy? See why death is in the power of the tongue? All right, I got to make a decision every day of my life. Am I going to follow the crowd and become critical, negative, accusatory, angry, and let those words spew forth? Or is there going to be life in this tongue right here to speak life to people? I'm going to follow Jesus. Everywhere he went, he spoke life and healed. So you're either going to be a verbal arsonist and you're going to burn things down, or you're going to be a healer and you're going to bring life to people. I, I, let me tell you about it. I just love healing. Guess how God heals people? Guess how he heals them? All right. Well, she knew because I told her. She read the Bible. Listen to Psalm 107.20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. There was, guess how God heals people's lives? Listen, Jesus is the healer. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. He, he said, I heal broken hearts. I heal broken dreams. I heal broken homes. Guess how he does it? Words. He speaks to people. All right, let me, he busted me one day. I'm riding down the road, got off exit 150. I was going by the truck stop. And there was a man sitting out there begging for food or money or something. And I saw him and I, I, just, I just prayed. And I said, Lord Jesus, help that man. Help that man. How many of you think that's noble of me to pray for him? He spoke to me back. He said, I'm not down there. There goes my nobility. I said, you're right. I'm down here. If he's going to be helped, I guess I'm the one going to do it. He sent his word. God sent you out into this earth to be the light of the world and to speak life in this world. Followers of Jesus are healers with their words. They speak words of life that bring life to people. This is the funnest thing you'll ever do. You have never had more fun than when rivers of life-giving water flow out of your mouth and you bring life to people and bring hope to people. That's why the Bible said, pay attention to my words because they're alive. Just like Jesus spoke to Lazarus, said, come forth and brought that man alive. We need to to be speaking to kids and we need to be speaking to people who have lost their dreams and their futures. We We need to be talking to people who are just having bad days and bring life to people. We need to speak life. All right. If I were to ask you this question, what does the Bible say is the number one thing you should pursue to do every day of your life? You know what it is. Every day when you get up, you should say, this is the number one thing I want to do today. What does the Bible say it is? Well, I guess we need to look it up then, don't we? Turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want you to see it in the Bible. When you wake up every day, breakfast is, is not the primary thing you should pursue. Being to work on time is good, but that's not the primary thing you should pursue. The news certainly is not the primary thing you could pursue unless you just like vomit. What's the number one thing I should get out of bed pursuing every day according to the Bible? Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says pursue. You know what pursue means, don't you? Chase it, doc. Go after it. Run it down. Pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts. Maybe you desire spiritual gifts. Your preacher's not doing a very good job, is he? Desire spiritual gifts. So we should desire something, but especially, what's the one thing I should desire above everything else according to that verse? More than anything else, I want to prophesy. Now, prophecy's not, thus saith the Lord. Knock that mess off. (laughs) That's not that kind of prophecy. Let me show you what prophecy is. More than I desire anything else, I should get up every day wanting to prophesy to people. All right, watch what it is. Verse three. He who prophesies speaks. Am I having we should speak? A lot of us have got that figured out. He who prophesies speaks three things. Edification, exhortation, and comfort to people. What's the number one thing I'm supposed to pursue every day? I got up today so I can walk around and speak to people. And here's what I'm going to speak to them. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. What's Edification. We get our English word edifice from this Greek word. Edifice means building. Edification simply means build up. I'm going to find somebody to build up today. I should get up every day more than anything else wanting to build people up. I mean, you know, there's enough tearing down going on in this land. 
Where are the people like Jesus who want to build people up? You and I should live to build people up. You say, I, I don't feel like building nobody up. I ain't even built up myself. That dog licked my face off. It's terrible. Listen to me. Give, it shall be given unto you. If you need build, listen, if you need love, give love. If you need building up, build somebody else up. Number one, edification. Number two, we don't use the word exhortation. What's our translation of that word? Somebody got it. Encouragement. I should live to encourage people more. How many of you know we need some encouragement in this land? People need a word of hope today and encouragement. Did the Bible tell me to pursue above everything else, building people up and encouraging them? What's the third one? Comfort's a softer tone. Comfort's for people that are hurting. You know, your kids get their feelings hurt. They're little, something bad happens. You say, come here, sweetheart. You put them up on your lap. You hold them close to you. You tell them everything's going to be all right. That's comfort. Well, you can't put an adult on your lap like that. But when people are suffering, we need to comfort them. I, what did the Bible tell me the number one thing I should do in my life is? Build people up, encourage people, and comfort people. And I'm to get up and do that every day. Guess what that's called? Life. Now, why is it called prophecy? The reason it's called prophecy is if I go to somebody and I'm a believer and I got the Spirit of God inside of me and I talk to them and I try to encourage them, if I'm encouraging them, the Spirit of God's going to get involved in it. And they're going to hear it with their hearts and they're going to come alive. Life's going to come in there. If somebody's hurt and they've lost something or they've lost a job or they're suffering or they've been wounded and I go to them and I comfort them, as I'm comforting them with my words, the Spirit of God's going to get involved and He's going to do it too. That's prophecy. Man, I'm going to speak life. You're going to be a healer to people. We're going to speak life to people. We should speak peace to people. Let me give you an example. I mean, I know we're losing peace in this land. Any, any strife in this land you know of, that's the opposite of peace. Listen to what Jesus said. Blessed are the peace keepers. No, no, anybody can keep peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the people who can go into a situation when there's no peace and cause peace to happen. Guess how you build, it's called bridge building. Do we have any bridge burners in this land concerning peace? Got plenty of burners, that job's filled. I need some bridge builders. Guess how you build bridges in a land? Guess how you make peace in a land? You make it with your words. Let me give, I'll just give you one example. I love to make peace with people. I just love to build peace where there is no peace because all the followers of Jesus are peacemakers. All right, I'm an old, rich, white man. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but apparently all old white men are rich. They keep telling me that on the news, so I'm gonna be one of them. I wish they'd tell my bank I'm an old, rich, white man. I'm an old, rich, I am an old, white man, and I'm an old, white man. I guess I am rich. I'm very fortunate. There is enmity today between old, rich, white men and young black men. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Somebody has been burning that bridge up. Some of it's true, most of it's a lie. Well, I can do one or two things. I can say, well, the heck with them. None of my business. I got my life. That's not a follower of Jesus. Every time I get around a young black teenage boy, I don't care if it's in a grocery store or a gas station or where it's at, I make an effort to build a bridge between me and him. I'm going to go talk to him. And I'm not going to say, you need to pull your britches up. <laughs> you listen to me. If you was raised like he was raised, you'd be just like that. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a bridge. I'm going to talk to him in a way that builds a bridge because in his mind, there's a demonic stronghold built. All old white men are evil. I'm going to show him there's one that's not. I'm going to show him there's one that cares about everybody. And I'm going to show him there's one that loves him and thinks no. You can, that's what it means. Blessed are the bridge builders, the peacemakers. Guess how you make peace? You make it with your words. You bring peace with your words. There is enmity in this land. I get up every day to build bridges to encourage people. That's why the Bible said, listen, man, the power of life is in your tongue. Do you have any idea the power that teachers have? Dear ones, it's not about the math and the science. That's important, but that ain't a big deal. It's about challenging people to have life. It's now, a lot of, sometimes I get to speak to teachers once in a while and I always tell them the same thing. Get off your attitude. Give me one Amen. If you got one, get off your attitude. Anybody can teach the easy kids. With your words, you go after the hard kids. And you find out why they're hard. 
and you speak into them and you encourage them and you challenge them and you build those hard kids up, turn their lives around with your words. How many of you know the power of life is in your tongue? Parents, teachers, coaches, we've got to begin to use what God gave us and to release power of the tongues. All righty, I'm going to quit. All I want you to do today is just see the power that's in the tongue. We think in our land words mean nothing. We just throw them everywhere. Words are either fire or they're healing. And I want my words to be life. Let me give you an example. Let me tell you about the power. I'm going to just show you a picture of the power that's in words. I think I told this before, but I'll be 63 tomorrow. When you get this age, you can repeat yourself. You can repeat yourself. I think you can do that when you get this age. It's just, I've seen this so many times in my life. I love to do this kind of stuff. All right, years ago, Katie had to, she had to take a class to renew her teaching certificate. So I said, yeah, I dropped her off and I went to the Burger King. Y'all know what a Burger King is? I don't go, I can't go anymore. I have to go to the sheets in the subway now, but I went to Burger King back when I could eat them things. And the Burger King, you can't walk up to the counter like a decent human being. You got to be herded through these things like cattle. I guess if you're going to eat cattle and look like cattle, if you eat there, they got to herd you through them gates like cattle. So I'm going through this thing with all other, we just following, doing our thing. Finally, I get up there to close and uh, there's a little girl. She's about 16 years old. She's in high school. She's working there. And there's a man in front of me. He's a little short and stumpy. And uh, he was older than me at the time, maybe, maybe 50. And uh, he gets up there and I'm, I just like to watch people. I just like to go to the mall and sit and watch people. You learn a lot. And I'm just sort of watching this thing with her and him. And uh, he was being sort of, he wasn't being very nice to her. He didn't cuss her out or nothing. I found out he was a Baptist. He didn't cuss her out. But he was just, he wasn't being very nice to her. She was trying to be polite. And he's ordering, being sort of short with her. And uh, all right, she got done. She told him how much. Well, he took a coupon out of his pocket and gave it to her, a coupon discount. She looked at it. She said, I'm sorry. I said, it's expired. So he goes off on her because that coupon's expired. Yeah, that 16-year-old girl owns Burger King. And she gets to decide whether that thing will work or not. So he's being ugly to her. And now I see he's hurt her feelings. Oh, I'm fixing to get involved now. Because the Bible said, preach the word in season and out of season. Be ready anytime. I'm ready. I'm fixing to preach to him. He's making me ill because he's hurt her feelings. 16-year-old girl just trying to make some money to get through high school. And he's over here going off on her. I'm ill. And I thought, no, rather than straighten Jack the jerk out, I'll just let him move on. I'll heal her when he's done. So he gets done with his ugliness. God is my witness, my hand in the air. You need to put your hand in the air, that's serious. But hand in the air. He started to step off and he turned back toward her and he reached in his pocket and he took out a gospel tract. And it had, had a, a yellow smiley face on it that said, smile, Jesus loves you. And he laid it down on that counter and he said, read this when you get a chance. Then he turned around and walked off. Oh, I'm really fixing to get involved now. <laughs> he walked on and I walked up there. I got right. I just leaned over where she came to me. I said, are we having fun today or what? I said, could you imagine being married to that fool? And I went on just a little bit. I just got her relaxed. She started laughing. We're having a big time just... You can, you don't, don't go up there and say, I'll say, I thought, don't do that. Break your religious myth. Just speak life to people. So I encouraged her a little bit. I said, you're doing a great job. I said, really, I should give you a raise is what they'll do. I said, you're doing great. Got my deal straightened out there, whatever. Paid for that killer food, you know. Uh, said, give me a heart attack in a sack, whatever it is. I said, give me that stuff. So I paid. But I start walking off and I stopped and I came back and I picked that track up and I said, did that short man give back to you? She said, he did. I said to her, I wouldn't read it. She said to me, don't worry. <laughs> and in those two words, I heard it. I heard a burned heart. He had burned her heart with his ugly words. So I just, I wouldn't read it. I put it in my pocket. Then I stepped a little closer. I said, if I was to give it to you, would you read it? She smiled. She took it and put it in her pocket. said, I'll read it if you gave it to me. All right, now listen to me. Listen to me. What happened there? We're both Christians, me and him, I think. He probably is. He's just lost. <laughs> We're both Christians. Same tract. Same little 16-year-old girl. What's the difference? 
The power of life and death are in somebody's tongue. And you're going to eat the fruit of what you say. That girl grows up and hates God and hates church and don't believe in the hope of salvation. That's the fruit of his words. That girl reads that thing and says, you know, maybe God's not that bad. Maybe he is good. That is the fruit of words. We're going to eat the fruit of our words. That's why we need to learn how to manage it. Manage it so much better. We learn how to manage our words. All righty. Healing in the power of the tongue. Let me explain to you. I'm going to say it again. Your life is dictated by your words. And I want you to learn through these weeks, I want you to learn how to use your words to build a life and build people's lives. Do I need to tell you that life is not according to how much money you got? Relationships. I'm going to tell you one more story and I'm done for the second done. Anybody here remember Bill McCartney? Some of you guys do. Y'all remember Bill McCartney? I thought you men would know him. He won the national championship with the Colorado Buffaloes. They call it the greatest miracle in college football. The Colorado Buffaloes were always a nobody football team. and They're just a minor leaguer. And all of a sudden, a guy named Bill McCartney goes to Colorado. In the 1980s, takes over the Buffaloes. And he builds one of the greatest football teams, and he wins the national championship with the Colorado Buffaloes. And he's riding on top of the world. I mean, it's just the, it's the miracle of the Buffaloes, a miracle year. They win a national championship. He's offered a multi-million dollar contract, extends it. He's on top of the world. So right after that, he goes to church one Sunday with his family. He attended the Boulder Vineyard Fellowship in Boulder, Colorado. James Riles, the preacher there, and James is a crazy cowboy. So James gets up to preach that day. Bill's in the crowd. So Bill said, matter of fact, I was sitting right down front. And he said, James got to be said, today I'm preaching on the mark of a successful man. And he said, when he said that, I just swole up. I just thought, if ever a man, he said, I'm sitting here. I'm the hottest coach in America. Got the number one football team in the nation. Just signed a multi-million contract. The pros are begging me. Surely I'm a successful man. He said, I swole up so big. I'm surprised I didn't hurt folks on both sides. And he said he prayed, and then he looked at it. And then Brother James said, you measure a man's success by looking in his wife's eyes. And he said, all the pride went out of me, and I melted in the chair. Because I knew my wife, Lindy, sitting beside me, I had abused her, and I had neglected her all these years to build my career. And that broke him in that service that day, and it changed his life. And it was in that service he decided, I'm going to give up coaching. And I'm going to give up the money. And I'm going to spend my life building my wife's life and my family's life. And I'm going to teach men how to live and build. Tell me the great movement that came out of that day. Promise keepers. The great promise keepers men's movement came out of that day. Let me tell you, it's not how much money you got. And he went on to teach men how to use their words to build their families and build their children and build their friends and their brothers. Here's the announcement. That house is going to burn one day. That money is going to get spent and it ain't going to take long. Them trophies are going to rust if she don't throw them in the trash first. Cars going to be up on blocks and fancy threads going to be moth-eaten. People last forever. Relationships are the only thing worth living for in this land. You build people's lives with your words. Use your words. All right, I got to tell you how to do this real quick. My number third, this is my third, I'm done. Here's how you do it. All right, I know what you're thinking. I can see it. I can see it. I can see you thinking. Sound like Jesus. I can tell what you're thinking. You're thinking, I, I got to quit saying dumb things. I got to be careful how I talk. It's easy. Yes, it might be easy for you. It's easy. Don't try not to say dumb things. Don't try to be careful what you say. Listen to this. How do you get air out of a glass? There's one of two ways. You can suck it out but you're going to look like an idiot and you have a ring around your face. <laughs> Plus, you got to keep sucking. Try it. There's another way to get it out of a glass. Fill it up with water. You fill it up with water, you don't look like an idiot, you don't have a ring around your face and you don't have to keep sucking. Just fill it up with water. You don't have to worry about the air. You know the way you get stupid speech out of your mouth? Fill it with life. You get up every day and say, 
you just learn, train your mind. Walk like this. What can I say to encourage them? What can I say to help her? What can I say to comfort them? Who can I call? Who can I tell? Who can I puke on? Don't tell them what's going on. Speak good news that brings great joy. Good news from afar. How many of you know this land is starved for a good word? He who speaks good news to a friend is like a man who brings a cup of cool water on a hot day. Proverbs says. Listen, the way you take care of your tongue, just fill it with life. Somebody just said in here not long ago, they said to me, I wish I had a real friend. Learn how to talk, they'll line up. We'll learn. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you. I want to thank you for your word today. Your word is life to those who find it. It is healing to every part of our being. By not hearing you speak to our hearts, we're losing the life. I just want to pray for every person in here. Number one, hit us like a freight train. That it's not my circumstances. It's not who I'm married to. It's not my opportunities. It's my words that take me where I want to go in life. My words got me where I am today. My words will take me where I want to be tomorrow. And I humbly ask you, teach us how to speak life to ourselves and to other people. We're either going to be flamethrowers or healers. If we're going to follow you, we've got to get in the healing category. Lord Jesus, there's nothing I do that's more fun than healing people's lives with words and speaking hope and life and encouragement to people. I don't have to preach to them, dear Jesus. Raise up a generation of life givers, healers. I trust you for that. Teach us for a few weeks. Change our lives by changing our words. Change our families by changing our words. Change our communities, our employees, our classmates by changing our words. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for hearing my prayer.